I hope I can steal a little summoning from you, Dave. Three balls, two strikes, the pitch. Swing and a long drive. Deep left The flags go up, churning and burning. They yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Few burning fast on an empty. Welcome to an emergency edition of Stats on Deck. It's just going to be me, Nick Laporte. Nick Laporte. Only today. Jake had to go to sleep, unfortunately. We'll miss him for this one. We'll get him on through the next couple of days to break down uh, the historic thing that we just watched. And that is the Washington Nationals are officially headed to the NLCS for the first time. I can't believe it. I can't put it into words how much this means. <laughs> they took a different pathway all year. They were 12 games under on May 24th. We dealt with injuries. We dealt with bullpen nonsense. Uh, we dealt with losing games that we needed to win. And I didn't know what to think at that time. I mean, if you go back, uh, you know, you look at some of the tweets I had at Nick Laporte with the 0 and 7 0, by the way. You go back, you look at some of the tweets I had around that time of the year. They're not positive. You know, and it's basically saying the same thing I'm going to say to you right now. Our offense looked good enough, our starting pitching was outstanding, but our bullpen couldn't get it done. The eighth inning was a goddamn nightmare. Excuse my language. It was a nightmare, really all season, but especially the first two months. And that plague continued for some time. But Mike Rizzo, he made a trade at the deadline, and he acquired three bullpen guys. Now, one guy, even if you're a Nats fan, you might not remember him. His name is Ronus Elias from the Mariners. He's a lefty, and and we wanted him because we knew we might face the Dodgers if we made it through the wild card. Because we've got to remember, around the deadline, the Nationals were in the wild card hunt. Obviously, you still want to win your division at that time, but they knew the Dodgers were looming. They knew big bats like Freddie Freeman, um, Ozzie Albies, Cody Bellinger, Max Muncie, guys like that. We knew we needed lefties, and we needed a big lefty to get him out. And Elias didn't work out. He just didn't. He had a hamstring issue. When he came back, he didn't look great. He got hurt again. So, Mike Rizzo, he tried, but it, and it wasn't his fault. That one didn't work out. Then you got Hunter Strickland, again, from the Mariners. Hunter Strickland, we all remember from his feud with Bryce Harper. Uh, he was useful in the regular season, but, you know, we saw him come into a couple playoff games, and that didn't really work out. Uh, but the big one was Daniel Hudson. He had an ERA of just about three with the Toronto Blue Jays. He had closed out some games. And the big thing was he got stranded runners out every single time, it felt like. And Daniel Hudson, the, there's, a, there's, there's a moral to this. Daniel Hudson closed out two, excuse me, three gigantic wins for the Nationals, the wild card in games two and four, and then he kept the game tied in the ninth today in game five to keep the Nationals alive prevent the Dodgers from walking it off, and then, you guessed it, Howie Kendrick hits the the grand slam. I almost said four-run home run. That's where my mind is right now. He hits a grand slam in the top of the 10th inning with nobody out, and the Nationals take the 7-3 to lead. 
Howie's home run, unquestionably the biggest hit in Nationals history, topping recent moments like Juan Soto's eighth inning three-run single in the wild card and Ryan Zimmerman's gigantic home run in game four to keep the Nationals alive. This team was pushed to the brink all year, and they've played with their back against the wall since the end of May. And we saw it. And they didn't take their foot off the gas. Now, there were a couple stretches in the middle there where we wondered just how good the Nationals could be. Uh, the most recent one, we, you know, the Nationals struggled a little bit in the first half of September. But they figured it out and they righted the ship. They took a series from the Marlins. Then they took a five-game sweep of Bryce Harper's Phillies. Yeah, we're going to talk about him a little bit because how could you not? And then they swept the Cleveland Indians and prevented the Indians from having a chance at a playoff spot. They took that momentum in, and they hosted the wildcard game just eight days ago. Somehow found a way to win. You know, you can't undersell how great Strasburg was in that. Daniel Hudson closing it out. It was one of my favorite games in my lifetime for a Nationals team. And then you go to L.A. And L.A., of course, an 106-win team, Uh, Can't be taken lightly, right? Um, So you got L.A. winning 106 games. They're back-to-back World Series appearances. They're National League champions two years in a row. Uh, Everything seems to be pointing to the Dodgers rolling over the Nationals. And that's what we saw in Game 1. We saw the Nationals unable to get anything going against Walker Buehler, who, by the way, today in Game 5 was outstanding once again. That has to be mentioned because Walker Buehler... In his second year has proven that he's a playoff freaking hero. And Dodgers fans should be excited about him going forward. Um, so Walker Bueller shuts him down for six innings. The Nationals bullpen implodes. The Nationals lose 6 nothing. Okay, just what we expected, right? The Nationals won the wild card, but they're simply outmatched against these Dodgers. Wrong. Not true. Because Steven Strasburg comes in, pitches seven innings. Was it uh, six innings? I think it was six. Six innings of one-run ball. Max Scherzer comes out in relief. The Nationals find a way to win that game, too. Then it goes to game three. Anibal Sanchez, five innings, one-run ball. I'm excited to see him in the NLCS because he really seems like he knows how to pitch in the playoffs. He pitched smart, and yeah, it was only five innings, but Nationals had a 2-1 lead when he exited that game. You'd like to think that he could figure in in big ways in this NLCS. Uh, then, obviously, there were some issues. Corbin and Wander Suero. Uh, we don't need to talk about it, but that was game three. Then game four rolls around, and this is Max Scherzer's moment. He hasn't had a signature playoff game with the Nationals really ever in his career, even going back to his Tigers days. What does Max Scherzer have for you in the biggest game of his life when his team's facing him elimination? Seven innings of one-run ball. Okay, can't understate how great he was on Monday evening. He gave up the solo home run to Justin Turner in the first, and that was it. The Nationals were able to find a way to win that one and force this decisive game five. Steven Strasburg going on the mound, you got to like the Nationals' chances, but the Dodgers had Walker Bueller. So it's which pitcher's going to break first is what you think is the is what's going to happen. Well, Strasburg broke first. He gave up three runs in two innings, and uh, things looked bleak for a while there for the Nationals. Walker Buehler pitched great, but he ran into a little bit of trouble later on in that game. He gives up 
a double to Rendon, and then an RBI hit to Juan Soto. Excuse me. 3-1 Dodgers. The Nationals still look a little lifeless besides that. Then comes the big moment of the game. Clayton Kershaw in, Adam Eaton's up, and it's looking like Adam Eaton's going to have to be the guy. And uh, Dave Martinez chose not to hit um, Brian Dozier off the bench, you'd think, is one candidate. Matt Adams, another power candidate. Uh, He stuck with Adam Eaton, and Eaton struck out on three pitches to end the seventh inning. So you're not liking your chances at that point, but you know you have... Rendon Soto Kendrick do up in the eighth. You just need someone to get you to that inning with the game still three to one. Well, that man was Patrick Corbin, if I'm not mistaken. Or I might be wrong. It might have been Tanner Rainey, actually. Anyway, let's get to that eighth inning. By the way, I I I can't look right now, obviously, because um, my hands are full right now. But uh, Patrick Corbin, by the way, just want to shout him out. Yeah, horrible game three. He stepped up in game five. Can't wait to see him pitch in the NLCS. Uh, Rendon and Soto, the guys who did it all year for the Nats, they matched each other with 34 homers in the regular season, and they matched each other against Clayton Kershaw. Rendon on the third pitch he saw hit a home run just over the wall, just over the reach of the center fielder. It's a 3-2 game, and Juan Soto didn't wait around. Fastball right down the middle crushed it for 450 feet and a tie game and we were losing our minds at this point I mean how the heck did that happen Clayton Kershaw a legendary Hall of Fame pitcher yes he's had his troubles in the playoffs but I mean me and Jake were looking at each other and we were like just please let Kershaw come into this game because we couldn't hit Bueller we could not hit Bueller but we were able to hit Kershaw so it's a tie game three to three game goes on for a little bit longer we get to that top of the bottom of the ninth inning. Daniel Hudson somehow finds a way to get out of the inning. Will Smith nearly hits a walk-off home run, but it's caught up against the wall by Adam Eaton. And then the top of the tenth inning begins. And let's just recap what happened there. Adam Eaton takes a close 3-2 pitch for a walk. Joe Kelly in the game, by the way. We'll get to that in a second. Joe Kelly in the game. Adam Eaton walks. Rendon hits a ground rule double into that screen. And if you remember way back in the first inning, Jock Peterson hit a weird ground rule double to left field as well. Uh, I think the Chavez Ramin employees and people who do the schematics and engineers for that place are going to want to figure out how to stop all these darn ground rule doubles. But anyway, it's runners on second and third, nobody out. And the Dodgers elect to intentionally walk Juan Soto who's proven to get clutch hit after clutch hit in his young playoff career so it's Howie Kendrick Howie Kendrick who has four errors in the playoffs already he's looked shaky he's been pressing in every at bat he's had a single here or there but you know Nationals fans all year we saw him come up with giant extra base hits time after time and Howie Kendrick waited for his last at bat of the series to deliver But boy, did he deliver with the grand slam to dead center field. Nationals take the lead 7-3. Sean Doolittle wastes little time in closing out an NLDS series win for the Nationals. Their first, I'm going to say franchise history. I know the Expos had advanced once before in their past, 
But uh, and I don't mean to disrespect any Expos fans, but you know these Nationals really don't have anything to do with the Expos. No offense. I do like the the shared history when the Nationals wore the the Expos throwbacks, but uh, let's just say since coming to DC, their first series win. That's not including the wild card. If you count that as a series, which it is, by the way. But let's just you know stop beating around the bush. The first time they even advanced to the NLCS, and they did it on the backs of Anthony Rendon. Juan Soto, Howie Kendrick, they're starting pitching, Daniel Hudson and Sean Doolittle, just like we thought, honestly. I mean, we knew if the Nationals were going to make it this far, it was going to be because of their superstars. And Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer, they were superstars. Patrick Corbin, who makes $23 million a year, he earned every penny of that tonight by shutting down the Dodgers in the tough part of the order, getting Muncie, Turner, and Bellinger out. Then you look at uh, I think he might have got one more out after that. Then you look at, okay, Anibal Sanchez was great, unlikely hero. But then you got Anthony Rendon, Juan Soto with the extra base hits tonight in a must-win game. The superstars showed up when they needed to. And then the man who played off the bench for most of the year and didn't start every day, Howie Kendrick, we knew how good he was when he could get the barrel on the baseball. We saw it all year. He hit over 340 in limited action. And tonight he had the biggest hit of his career, the biggest hit in Nationals history, the Grand Slam, the champagne was pouring. I can't express my my joy, my happiness. This is unlike anything I've ever felt really since the Capitals won a Stanley Cup. And obviously, you know, the two sports are different. You can't equate them to each other. These Nationals feel a lot like those Capitals. They never quit. You put their backs up against the wall and they respond every time. They really feel like they have something special here. And since May 24th, there hasn't been a better team in baseball than the Washington Nationals. The party's not over yet. Now they're going to St. Louis to face the Cardinals. The Cardinals coming off a similar series. The Cardinals were down 2-1 to one in the series, I believe. Am I wrong on that? No, I'm right. The Braves were up 2-1, to one, and then the Cardinals won game four at home, went to, went to Atlanta today, earlier before the Nationals game. And uh, if you didn't watch it or if you turn it off, I'll spare you the gory details. Uh, the Cardinals put up 10 runs in the first, which I believe is a playoff record. Um, tough look for the Braves. I mean... Uh, you know, last year the Braves didn't feel like as much of a playoff team. They felt like kind of the best of the of the worst teams in the NL East. I mean, if we're being honest, the Braves, Nationals, Mets, and Phillies were all weren't great. The Braves obviously capitalized on that last year, made it to the NLDS, and and they did take a game from the Dodgers. Uh, so credit to them last year for that. Um, but I felt like this Braves team was a lot better, and I felt like. They were absolutely the second best team in the NL from basically from at least the middle, you know, early part of June. Uh, the Braves kind of snuck around in second place in the NL East for about a month and a half and then took off and never looked back. Um, and that brings us to another NL East guy and team, the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, the offseason champions, if you will, after adding Bryce Harper, JT Real Muto, Gene Segura. Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, this team was supposed to to make some noise and make the playoffs, and they didn't. You know, they didn't. They weren't that good. Their pitching was mediocre. Their hitting was mediocre. 
And uh, they actually probably have one of the better bullpens in the division, but it didn't end up mattering because they finished the season 81 and 81. Uh, you know, you can't help but think about the Bryce Harper and Washington Nationals connection. Obviously, he played there for seven years. You know, we all rooted for him. Uh, he had a few moments in the playoffs, obviously never never advanced um, in those first seven years. He made it four times, and uh, the Nationals didn't make it past the NLDS. And that's not to blame him at all, because you know what? Uh, in some of those years, Bryce Harper was one of their best players, and uh, especially in the in the 2012 and 2014 playoffs, Bryce Harper had some of the biggest hits. Absolutely not putting any blame on him in the past, but I will say the Nationals made a conscious decision really to not re-sign Bryce Harper. They obviously offered him the $300 million over 10 years, but uh, the way they structured the deferrals and everything, it, it was kind of a contract offer that was like, well, if you want to take it, we'll keep you, but really we're fine with letting you walk. And, uh, I mean, it paid off for the Nationals. There's no way you can look at it any differently. Um, Nationals found con- contributions in other ways this year. Juan Soto breaking out and becoming a superstar after a great rookie year. Anthony Rendon taking the next step and becoming an MVP-level player. Uh, Victor Robles in his rookie year, very solid player. Adam Eaton, who since the All-Star break had basically an identical OPS to Bryce Harper. You know, that's that's a sneaky good move by Mike Rizzo to look at Adam Eaton, who looks like he can't even hit a home run, you know, not to bring physicality into this, but Bryce Harper obviously looks like he's going to hit 30-plus every year. But Mike Rizzo to trust Adam Eaton to kind of pick up the slack a little bit. And then uh, you look at Brian Dozier, Howie Kendrick, Esdrubal Cabrera coming in. Um, you look at the pitching staff stepping up. The Nationals, for the first time in a while last year, didn't have a great pitching staff. And obviously, Strasburg was hurt, and they ended up trading Gio Gonzalez. And uh, really, it was just Max Scherzer was the only one. Uh, Mike Rizzo found a way. He signed Patrick Corbin and Anibal Sanchez, and obviously Corbin for a lot more money. But uh, Corbin was great. He was one of the best pitchers in the NL since the All-Star break. Uh, He picked up right where he left off last year as one of the best lefties in the National League. Anibal Sanchez had another awesome year. He had, I think his first six or eight starts were, were horrendous. And since that, he rarely did worse than a quality start, which you'll take out of your number four every single time. Uh, then you look at Kurt Suzuki and Jan Gomes, a couple of guys who had tough, tough at-bats so far in the playoffs. I mean, I think they were 0 for combined until Jan Gomes hit a single in the 10th inning, a uh, couple outs after Howie Kendrick's big grand slam. Uh, that's a tough look for the Nationals catcher spot, but let's not, let's not pretend they didn't ride those guys into the ground all year um, to get where they got. And, uh, you know, can't give enough credit to Anthony Rendon. Um, he had he had had a few games in the playoffs early on where, you know, he didn't look like himself, and he obviously had been in a slump in the back half of September. Same goes for Juan Soto, to be honest. The two superstars on the Nationals were superstars tonight. They combined for five hits after the sixth, I think, after the fifth inning, excuse me, um, uh, drove in, I believe, the all three runs that got the Nationals back into the game. Then, obviously, Howie drove in the four that were, uh, were on the Grand Slam. Uh, Steven Strasburg tonight, not his best game. Obviously, he had had 
the three-inning relief appearance. I think it was three. It might have been two, but I'm pretty sure it was a three-inning relief appearance in the wild card um, scoreless, and then the the six innings of one-run ball. I think I have that right. He was nine innings, one run up until today. Obviously, he gave up three runs in, I believe, I believe it was five innings, potentially six. Um, I think it was six, actually. I'm sorry I don't have specific numbers. Obviously, like I said, we'll break it down a little bit more for you later on this week. This is just the gut reaction. I'm so over the moon. I have to have to talk to somebody about it. And unfortunately, every person that I could talk to about it is either trying to sleep or asleep right now. So I'm going to talk to uh, the nine stats on deck fans out there, one of which is probably me. Before we get right back into it, or I should say I get right back into it, we're going to tell you a little bit more about today's sponsor, which is Anchor. So stick around. So anyway, you know, quick thoughts on the NLCS. Um, the Nationals, you know, I don't have to say it, but I'm going to say it. 2012, it was the Cardinals that came into our house and knocked us out. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the worst moments, one of the worst memories that any of us D.C. sports fans have, maybe ever. Uh, obviously, it feels a lot better tonight after finally breaking through. Um, you know, got to exercise that demon. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, pull that from John Walton, the Capitals radio announcer, one of the, one of the very best in the business. Follow him at on Twitter at Walton Caps. I'm serious. He's, he's one of the greatest people probably alive in this country right now, maybe the world. Um, he said when the Capitals beat the Penguins on during their Cup run, he said the demons have been exercised. Never forget those words in my entire life. And obviously, the Nationals only played the Cardinals in that one playoff series. There's not the history the division rival that the Caps and Penguins were. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to equate the two too much because that Capitals run was uniquely special. Uh, one, of the, one of the greatest memories of my life was watching that team fight day in and day out all their way to a Stanley Cup, finally getting Alex Ovechkin the Stanley Cup that he deserved and he earned. Uh, having said that, um, this Nationals team has that fight that that Capitals team, let's be honest, the Nationals, the four times they won the division, I don't think they had this fight in them. I don't think they knew what it was like to, to be pushed to the brink of death and be able to come back. And they've done it really three times now. You got the wild card game where they were down 3-1 to one in the eighth inning against one of the best closers in baseball. They found a way to win. You get yesterday against an 100, or excuse me, Monday against a, an 106-win Dodgers team uh, with Rich Hill on the mound, who had beaten the Nationals before. Max Scherzer goes out in an elimination game and shuts the Dodgers down. Then you get today the winner-take-all game five. In the previous three game fives, the Nationals had lost all of them. All of them at home, by the way. It's been a different path to get there all year this year. They didn't win the division. They made it to the wild card. Uh, they weren't they weren't waiting in game one for somebody to come to them. They had to win the wild card to get to a game one go on the road, and obviously they're going to do the exact same thing uh, heading to St. Louis for Friday's game. St. Louis is a great team, okay? The Nationals played St. Louis just a few weeks ago, and I believe St. Louis took two out of three. Um, Great team, great starting pitching. They have Paul Goldschmidt, they have Yadi Molina, um, Matt Carpenter, who's big hits in the playoffs time and again. They got this Tommy Edmond kid. And I feel like I can't say kid because if I check the math, I'm probably older than him. Uh, that's how young this guy is. He just came up and 
Uh, all he did against the Nationals was hit a dinger off Max Scherzer. Uh, it took him deep. Um, you know, kid who looks like he can't even can't even hit a ball to the warning track hits one a homer off of a Hall of Fame pitcher. Um, but the, this, you know, this might be the Nationals' year, and I, I really believe that this might be it for us. Uh, why not? You know, everybody wanted the Dodgers and the Astros. It's all anybody wanted to talk about. Well, the Dodgers are out, and uh, this will be posted Thursday morning. So uh, I guess I can say tonight the Astros will be hosting the Rays in a similar Game 5. And, the, you know, as great as that Astros team is, and they'll be pitching Garrett Cole, who's been untouchable in the playoffs lately. Um, the, that Rays team beat them pretty handily two games in a row. So I don't know. Maybe the Astros will win it. Maybe the Astros will still make it to the World Series. Heck, they might even win the whole thing. They're a great team, I tell you what. But uh, everybody wanted the Astros-Dodgers, and right now that's impossible because the Dodgers are out, and uh, the Astros may get knocked out. Nothing in baseball can be taken for granted, okay? I mean, yes, oftentimes in the last, I'd say, seven, eight years, we do see at least one of the number one seeds make it to the World Series. But that's not because that's the way it goes every year. That's, that's because they're usually the best team, and they play like the best team in the playoffs. But when you get in these five-game series, you, you allow chaos to come into play. And chaos can be Max Scherzer pitching on short rest and shutting out an 106-win team going seven innings. I know it's not exactly shutting out, but you get my point. Uh, Our chaos can be your Hall of Famer Clayton Kershaw giving up back-to-back home runs to blow blow the lead. Or it can be Howie Kendrick coming in in the biggest spot in his life and finding a way to advance the Nationals past those Dodgers. Um, I felt like the Nationals have been as good as anybody all year, and I feel like they can, they can really make a run here. And so far, they've won four playoff games this year. They had never won more than two in a single year. So it feels great. I mean, it feels unbelievable. I can't even, I can't even believe it, as I'm telling you right now. I'm still waiting to wake up from this dream. Um, I'm going to celebrate this one as hard as, as hard as any game I've ever celebrated, because I'll tell you what. I don't, I don't give a crap if we win the division ever again. All I, all I care about is winning in the playoffs. Right now, this national team is uniquely talented to do that. Um, so, you know, congratulations to the Nationals. Um, they fought hard. They fought so hard. They, they made it to the wild card. They won the wild card. They took three out of five against the L.A. Dodgers. Um... Bryce Harper sitting at home on his couch watching the team that he grew up with. Uh, and I really say grew up because he was with the Nationals from age 19 to age 26. Those are your four, you know, your formative baseball years. I mean, he, he grew up in that organization. He decided to chase the money. Um, more power to him. You know, his team's out and his old team is head to the NLCS for the first time. Um, Clayton Kershaw, man, I don't even know what to say about that. Um, he pitched twice in this series, and uh, you really have to think he was the reason the Dodgers lost both those games. I mean, he gives up, I believe, three runs in game two. Um, that's the game. Um, game two. Game two was Strasburg, excuse me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so confused right now. But, yeah, game two was Strasburg. Strasburg completely outpitches him. Nationals end up winning 4-2. 
Uh, you know, Kershaw gave up the deciding runs, you know, right there. I mean, three runs wasn't horrible, but, you know, he got outpitched by a guy that, honestly, he should pitch better than. Kershaw's a Hall of Famer and probably the best pitcher of his era. I mean, I don't think you can deny that. I don't, I don't understand... And then, you know, today giving up the back-to-back solo home runs, uh, recording only one out, I, I just don't know how to explain it. I mean, it's I don't have the, the numbers in front of me here, but, um, I mean, if even if you just look at his starting appearances, <clears throat> excuse me, even if you just look at his starting uh, starts in the playoffs, I mean, we have almost a, a full season's worth of games here now, and uh, I don't think he's had a quality start in half of them, and Clayton Kershaw is a guy who shouldn't even be be held to that. He should be held to a higher standard than a quality start. I I just don't know how to explain it. I, you know, and I, this is gonna sound you know like a I guess the term is like a sore winner or whatever you want to say. Uh, you know the concili- conciliatory winner who oh I feel so bad for you about X because we won. You know I I really don't mean it to be like that. But if it is and if there's a Dodgers fan listening. I, you know, obviously I'm biased. I love the Nationals, so I apologize. But I really do mean this to Clayton Kershaw. I feel for him. I mean, I've loved watching him his whole career. You know, it, it, when he hasn't been playing, you know, one of, uh, you know, Stats on Deck's preferred teams, I've always rooted for him. I rooted for him hard in that 2017 World Series. I wanted him to get his ring. Um, you know, I, I wanted him to to beat the Cubs in 16 and find a way to do it, you know, I really, I really was hoping that, um, you know, as an outsider, just as a baseball fan, you don't want to see a Hall of Famer struggle so badly in the playoffs, um, it's inexplicable, I don't, I don't think there's anything that we can look to, I mean, you know, I think about a guy like Peyton Manning, uh, you know, for, I mean, obviously, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady can't, can't really talk about one without talking about, uh, the other, because, uh, you know, they had those great duels for 15 years in the AFC. Uh, obviously, you look at Brady's playoff track record. It's n- nearly stellar. I mean, the way he's been able to win the six championships. You look at Peyton Manning. He won two. And, uh, you know, as great as he was as a regular season QB, uh, he was in both his Super Bowls that he won, he was not the not the reason that they won, if you catch my drift here. Um and Super Bowls are weird. Any kind of playoff game is weird. There's so much luck involved. You know, it could be that Peyton Manning, uh, if if he played out his career a hundred times, maybe in ninety of those in of those scenarios, he wins at least three or four rings. You never know. But um, yeah, I mean, even Peyton Manning had his struggles. Like he wasn't crap in the playoffs. He had his bad games, and he also had his share of amazing games. You look at his playoff record; it's not bad, especially against Brady. Uh, I think he might have even had the edge by the end against Brady in head-to-head matchups, uh, not to short-sell Brady, who obviously has been, you know, un- otherworldly. I don't even know how we got into football here. Uh, we'll talk about football more later on. Um, but, yeah, Clayton Kershaw, there's no there's no explaining it. it I, I don't know how to explain. It's not just that he throws slower than he used to. Yeah, I mean, he's in the, the lower 90s now versus... 97 back in the day he had these troubles all the way going back I mean I remember uh being a freshman in college watching him in the NLDS against the Cardinals by the way in 2014 and he had his struggles and I think it was Matt Carpenter even uh the Nationals very own Matt Adams now who hit you know decisive home runs off him late in games and you just sit there scratching your head like 
I've seen this guy dominate some of the best hitters in baseball. How is he not able to do it in the playoffs? I, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is for Kershaw. I, I wish him the best. Um, yeah, the home runs got him. The home runs got him. It's as simple as that. And the home runs get the great ones sometimes, but for Kershaw, they seem to get him way too often. So, um, you know, Dodgers, I don't know what they're going to do. Dave Roberts with some seriously questionable management down the stretch. Um, leaving, I'm going to have a Diet Coke now, by the way, if you hear a crack. Um, leaving Joe Kelly in, bringing in Joe Kelly in the first place, um, Dave Roberts just went through a five-game series where Kenley Jansen pitched in a in a six-to-nothing game and uh, a, a seven-to-four game that his team was losing. Uh, Kenley Jansen, you pay him the top dollars to win games. How is Kenley Jansen not in this game when it's tied? How is Kenley Jansen not in this game when it's three-to-one? I mean... Dave Roberts, it felt like he was managing like it was a seven-game series, but it wasn't. If he didn't win today, his season was over, and you saw what happened. And, uh, you know, I love sticking up for your guys. I like when managers do that. But, you know, to come out after the game and, and pull a Buck Showalter and say that uh, you didn't you didn't trust anybody more than Joe Kelly, uh, that's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. It's akin to when Buck Showalter left Ubaldo Jimenez I'm going to say his name wrong, by the way, because he was that bad. Ubaldo Jimenez um, in a game when he had Zach Britton, who was having a historic season as a closer uh, in that 2016 AL wildcard game. Um, I mean, that was your season, Dave. That was your season. And Howie Kendrick hits the grand slam. And you know what? If you If you bring in Kenley Jansen right there, maybe he gets out of it. Nationals probably find a way to at least get a lead there. You know, bases loaded, nobody out. But the, it's not that bringing in Kenley at that time. It's bringing in Kenley to start that inning. Bringing in Kenley two innings ago. I mean, why why don't you bring in Kenley Jansen against Rendon and Soto in the eighth? Bring him in early. There's no tomorrow, literally. But there is a tomorrow for the Nationals. And I think that's why I'm so freaking happy right now. I've talked for 33 minutes straight, for God's sake, uh, just talking to myself here. I feel like Bill Simmons when he gets going about the Patriots or the Celtics here. Um, but, yeah, the Nationals, this is uh, this is uncharted waters. Um, we'll see what happens on Friday. They're headed to St. Louis. Um, you'd, you'd probably think Max Scherzer starts that game one. It would be on three days rest, so you might want to lean away from that. Um, but then, really, your only other choice would be you'd have Sanchez completely rested, which is a possibility. And let's remember, he pitched great against the Dodgers in this series. Uh, you also might have Corbin. He went an inning and a third today, so that'd be on on one day's rest. It'd basically be <coughs> excuse me. Um, I've been talking so long, my throat's dry. Um, it'd be like when Strasburg pitched an inning of relief. Wait, wait, I think he pitched. Did he pitch three innings? Yeah, I'm so confused with my numbers right now. This is why I'm a mess when I can't actually look up stuff on my phone. Uh, Strasburg pitched what they basically called a side session in the wild card game and then was able to start the game. Um, he was able to start game two. So I guess you'd be thinking 
you probably want Scherzer game one, and then maybe you use, um, you know, you use a bridge somehow, whether that's Strasburg or what have you. Um, then you go Corbin game two, Sanchez game three, and then Strasburg game four. That's how I would line it up personally. Uh, it's obviously asking a lot of, of everybody of the, you know, the big three of the Nationals. It's asking a lot, but that's what you kind of have to do when you're in the playoffs. I mean, we saw it to an extent in 2017. Those Astros um, would bring in Brad Peacock and Charlie Morton, guys like that, out of the bullpen. Um, saw it in a big way last year with the Red Sox. Um, every one of their starters would come out in either the eighth or ninth inning to help close out games. Um, you have to be innovative if you want to win a championship, and, and I, I believe the Nationals do want to win a championship, and it's going to start game one of the NLCS in St. Louis. The Cardinals host the Nationals. We'll know more later on. Uh, we'll get Jake uh, back in the studio, which is really just us sitting on a couch, but you sh- you're not supposed to know that. So we'll get we'll get back in the studio. Uh, sorry Jake couldn't be on this one. I had to say something about the Nationals. I mean, I'm a lunatic, and I want to remember this. And uh, for any Stats on Deck fans out there, thank you for listening to this emergency podcast. Um, Nationals are in the NLCS for the first time, and it feels amazing. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Stats on Deck Pod. That's P-O-D. Um, StatsOnDeck.com for our written content. Um, I still want to get video content going. That'll be a future project. Um, follow me on Twitter at Nick Laporte with a zero instead of an O. I follow Jake on Twitter at From State Farm with fours instead of A's. And uh, I'm going to have to do it myself this time. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Boom! Yo, Spo!